Welcome to Thinking with Dr. Barry Whitney. This podcast series is compiled from Dr. Whitney's university class entitled Justifying Beliefs. The thesis of this class is that we all hold beliefs, and no matter what they are or how deeply we adhere to them, we owe it to ourselves to apply rational testing of our beliefs in order to aim to justify them. This class takes us along that journey, perhaps for the first time or more deeply. For further insights and materials mentioned in this series, please refer to the resource page on Facebook entitled Thinking with Dr. Barry Whitney. Now, non-theists say because there's no moral law of God, there's no God, so there's no objective moral law, you now know what they believe, right? That if, if, uh, I'm not talking about New Age spirituality, I'm just talking about this culture that doesn't believe in a God. A God that is personal, because that's, we're talk, we have to talk about a God that's personal because I don't think you can have a moral law without a personal God. A moral law means that there's a mind that is moral, that's powerful, that's all good because the moral law is a good thing to, to obey. This is good, this is bad. It's not arbitrary. It's what we mean by God that God would be powerful, God would be wise, God would be uh, moral himself, God, God would make uh, you know, this moral law available within us, just like religious experiences are available within us to recognize it, even though some people can easily not recognize it in certain difficult situations. Now, if you're a non-theist, though, and you don't believe in God, then th- quite frankly, the conclusion is there is no objective moral law then. So what, what do we do with morality? Like, what are the options then? Like, what's, what's going on in our culture? Well, it's called, among other names, situation ethics. That's what we do. If you don't believe in God, and this is pretty much all of the culture, it's called values education, which was a disaster in the schools because this is so ingrained in our culture, this non-theistic point of view, that it's made it down into the primary schools. It's basically saying, how do you solve this situation? What would you do morally if your mother at home was suffering some painful disease and she's begging you to kill her, like put her out of her misery? And they're told there is no right and there is no wrong, but you have to decide what you do. This is what the culture says. It's your situation. It's unique to you. There is no moral God. There's no God with a moral law that says don't kill. Don't kill unless there's extenuating circumstances, you know, that... that and whether, whether that's one is, is, is debatable. If you believe in a God, killing is something that's serious. Euthanasia. Whatever. So situation ethics basically says, I decide what's moral based on my situation. And you know what they're basically saying? What they actually are saying, clearly as, as, as they can say it, is that we, we make up the moral law. If there's no God, then human beings make it up according to what's, what's good for us, what's pleasing to us, what's important to us. Now, we can do that in several ways. We can make up the moral law. That's what we do now. That's what we teach. We either make it up individually or we make it up in society. And basically, it's, it's, it's a majority vote. You and I, are, we're in a situation where it's a majority vote, whether X, let's say abortion or euthanasia, just pick, pick a hot button, any issue. It's a majority vote whether or not this is considered moral. It's not a majority vote if you're a believer in God 
who has given us a moral law that says it's right or it's wrong. It's not always clear what God's law means. It takes a lot of study. And um, I'm not a Roman Catholic, but I do appreciate the fact that they go through all kinds of pages and, 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 and studies where they try to explain why they believe this is the decision you should make under these circumstances. Like it's in, it's in, the catechism is huge to start with, but that's what we should be doing. But if you believe in a God, I mean, there are going to be difficult situations where you, your conscience and your religious sense is telling you that I have, to, I have to abide by God's law. That's how you worship God, is to do what God wants one to do. That's good. Um, but if you don't believe in God, Quite frankly, the price you pay, all of these proofs for God's existence, by the way, simply show you what price we pay if we don't believe in God. That's kind of the thesis. That's the bottom line. In this moral proof, the price we pay for not believing in God is that we we no longer have an external, an objective, those are the same thing. Uh, uh, We no longer have a moral law that's beyond us, that's external, as opposed to subjective, internal. There is no guideline except the majority vote or your own individual preference within the culture. That's what we do. We kind of make up our own minds as long as you're not breaking a social law. And the societies in general make up their own morality based on a majority vote. So it changes. It changes back and forth. We give up. You know what we do? I mean, quite frankly, if morality, if being good is a majority vote right now, if right now it says euthanasia is against the law, if that's what we've decided to do, I don't know that that question. It probably is. Um, It's basically saying there really is no objective or real good or bad. It's just what this culture or that culture has decided is going to be good or bad. That's the price we pay. That's the cultural chaos we're in. It, it may seem like a good thing. And God knows it, when the church was running this culture, it was like everything was laid out. This is what you do and this is what you shouldn't do. And it, was, it seemed to be dictatorial and whatever. But it, it's based on God's moral law as best it could be interpreted. Now we're in a situation where if we don't believe in this moral law, so we, we, we're arguing that we are in charge of our own destiny and our culture and our, and our politics. It's all about power and who can get the majority vote to support their moral issue. That's exactly what's going on in our culture right now. And this moral argument wants to show that that's a serious price to pay. And these, you and I, determining the moral law are inadequate. Um, in fact, the, the thesis here is going to be if there is no God to give us a moral law, what are the options? Where, do, where does our ethics come from? Like, what's the source? What's the reference? And there's, like, there's only three or four possibilities. One is, for instance, that it's us, right? Individually. We are our own moral lawgiver. The second one is that our society is our moral lawgiver. A, a, a third one might be that well, maybe there's some kind of a moral law built into nature that we can discover. Science is trying to exploit this one by saying that maybe with our reason, or maybe it evolved when the mind evolved, that there's some kind of a moral sense that emerged in evolution. We've got all kinds of alternatives. 
the moral argument tries to argue that none of these alternatives um, are, are nearly as convincing as, as, as belief in God as the source of the moral law. So it's, this is how we argue. We're, we have to have arguments for God being the source of the moral law, but we also have to refute, criticize all the arguments that are alternatives to God. Now, if you say that you, for instance, are the, are the moral lawgiver of your own life, I mean, it's, it's, you, you do realize, that, like if that were actually the case, like you do realize how dangerous that is. Like if everybody in this room could basically say, I can do whatever feels right to me within certain limits of the culture and do whatever I want morally. That, that's a prescription to sociopathy or, 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 or cultural chaos that we're starting to worry about now. Most people worry about this culture going down the tubes, especially morally. And religion is following you know, down the line. It's becoming very pessimistic and cynical and nihilistic and all kinds of isms. We hardly are qualified. I mean, we don't know good from bad when you come right down to it. What gives you the right uh, to make your own moral law? Basically, it's, you know, a lot of people say, I just create whatever I need in the situation. And of course, nobody creates moral law. You're basically using some moral version of of, of right or wrong that that you seem unaware of. But nobody, nobody creates a new color or a new universe. And nobody creates a moral law. Our, our preference is a very dangerous thing. So the argument is, we've got all of these choices. There's, there's either you are responsible and the person beside you. What if you have contradictory? What if it's a Hitler beside you and he's decided to massacre six million people and, 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 and murder the poor and the, and, and, and the handicapped? Like, the danger is just immense and, and, a, and, and a culture can be sucked into that because it's basically a power trip. It's, it's not really you. We know that because you and I aren't qualified to make our own moral laws. It's usually the culture. And why should we be subject to human beings voting a majority vote? If you really think about it, how is right and wrong? Is that what your conscience tells you? That right and wrong is just a political game in, in, in Ottawa or Washington? It's, it's hard to believe that that's a serious option, but this culture seems to be completely convinced that it is. Um, if there is no... I, I mean, I, I want to say, too, I don't think anyone's ever going to discover some moral law in nature. I, I, I can't go through all of, the, all of the complicated arguments, but when you're a non-theist, you're looking for a reason. What we're really looking for, we're not saying that people can't be moral without God. We're saying that you, if you don't believe in God, you can't really give a good reason why you should be moral. Why do you feel this conscience? Why do you feel these oughts? Like they have to have their source in something. Because those of us who believe in religious experiences say their source is in God. They're not just in, you know, I, the alternative would be there's a God gene or there's some DNA that's causing a religious experience. Moral experiences. And religious experiences are like anything else. They have to have a source. So we're saying, what's the source? We're asking. The moral proof is saying, if it's not God, what's your option? Is it you? Is it me? How can, how can we know what's right and what's wrong? I mean, we're going to disagree and differ. How can a culture know what's right and wrong? How can nature know? Nature's unconscious. I, there are lots of people who say the moral laws are just built into nature. But are they? The, 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 the atheist line is basically that uh, um, with our reason, we, 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 can dis- we can come to an agreement 
We can come to agreement about what's good and what's bad, but that's not really getting to the source of the question here. Like, we're agreeing that this is good and this is bad, but why do we believe anything morally at all? Um, uh, the evolution theory says we should just, just look at our instincts as, as the reason why we act this way and act, you know, w w whatever is instinctual must be a good. But you know, there's a big difference between instincts and feeling like you ought to do something. Instincts are what you just do naturally. Uh, it's not like a moral decision where you think, my God, I, sh I should do this, but I should, you know, my instinct says survival, 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 but my child's being killed, so I'm going to have to sacrifice myself. Morality is not the same as instinct. Like, we just can't seem to find in this field, when we discuss this, this moral proof for God, any explanation other than God that isn't, that isn't unfounded. It can't be you and me. It can't be society. You know, what, what you give up is, is simple. You have to say there is no good and there is no evil. It's just up to a majority vote. That's, it doesn't, there's no built-in moral law in nature. Um, there's nothing but human beings making it up. And why should we... Like, we made up uh, green lights mean go and red lights mean stop. But I don't feel any moral obligation to follow those laws, especially in Detroit if it's, if it's red, right? Like you just keep going. They are not moral obligations. There's a big difference. But that's what we've done in this culture. What we've done is we, we, we don't say it very loudly, but we, we live inconsistently with it. Inside, I think, we do feel moral conscience. We, we feel that certain things should be obeyed. It's always wrong to kill. It's always wrong to you know, abuse children and all of these fundamental issues. But inconsistent with that feeling, if we have it, God knows if we lose that feeling, this culture is doomed. If we, if we lose the feeling of moral obligation, that there are certain things that are just dead wrong and certain things that we should feel we ought to do. If we don't have a ground, if, if, if we didn't feel that, like what this culture does is basically live with its own resurrected, made-up, culturalized, socialized laws, and those are not real. Those, those, those change the, the wind in the air. It, what we've given up because we don't believe in God, who is the source of a moral law, and if you start with God, you see that this God would give a moral law, and, then we, and God's given us the ability to know it and follow it. If you don't start with God, you start with nothing, and you end up with nothing except moral laws or whatever is right for this culture at this particular time in history. And we've seen the abuses of that. You know, when people gripe about how how religions cause all the wars, and it's all, they're, all, they're all religious wars. Let me tell you that in the 20th century, when religion lost control of, of places like uh, uh, China and Russia and Germany, about 20, what is it, 200 million people died in violent deaths. When the atheists took over the culture, we've had more death and bloodshed in the 20th century than we've ever had in the history of, of human life. Uh, morality comes from, from God, or there isn't any morality as the thesis. That's it. We're, we're either there is a good and there is a bad because there's a God, or there isn't. It's just all made up. It's inconsistent to believe it's all made up if you feel moral obligation, though. And if you live as though there's a moral... Do you know if we really believed that we're all made up, what you'd have to give up? There's no God, let's assume. So what we believe is made up like a green light and a red light. Now, there's no point anymore in arguing... People argue because they're like about a moral issue like abortion. Like why argue? 
if, if, if there's nothing you can do about it because there's, it's not really right or wrong except what the majority says. You can't praise or blame anybody for following some moral law that doesn't exist. There's all kinds of implications that all of a sudden we have to give up. You can't, if there's no real, beyond our own subjective feelings, culturally or individual, um, there's just nothing. We've, we've given up, and quite frankly, this culture has given up good and evil, and this culture has given up truth. When we get, if you, I don't know how familiar you are with New Age spirituality, but most of it talks about there being good and evil being illusions. That when we finally reach our spiritual potential and, and, and move into the, the monism, the oneness of all things, we're going to realize that right and wrong, good and evil, male and female, all of these distinctions that we have were illusions. We've given up good and evil, which means that you can't criticize anybody because that was their free decision, like it's your free decision to do what you want to do with your mother. They can kill their mother if they like, and you can't criticize somebody else because we're all living on... The minute you criticize, the minute you say that that's wrong or this is right, you're appealing to some kind of a standard that's beyond you and I, beyond society, beyond nature. And that's, that's the strength of this argument. As hard as it is to explain and, and to appreciate... It's trying to say, we're reduced to simply saying, everybody's right, Everybody, whatever they do, dis, despite the fact that, that, that people do evil, disgusting things. You can't criticize them because they're doing the same thing you're doing. There is nothing to appeal to. There is no right and there is no wrong if there is no God. Now, this is an argument for God based on the moral feeling within. It's testimony that it had to come from God because it can't come from you and me. I don't feel any obligation to do what society says, or a moral obligation. I feel a social obligation. You have to stay out of jail. Uh, but there's no moral obligation to do what society says. There may be a moral obligation within, though. And that doesn't mean that society is not going to stumble on something that we do agree with within, but most of it's just a vote. But science is limited to what they can see, what science can see. You can't see a moral law. Uh, you can't see a law of logic. There, there's an argument in theology saying that, and there's, there's no proof that, uh, that values emerged from, from dead, insentient matter. Like, they, there just isn't any proof. That's a, that's a big hole in the evolutionary theory. It's a big hole in the naturalistic perspective. This is what we have in this culture. You're either a theist or you're a naturalist. Uh, that, that seems to be the division. The university is naturalistic. Almost all the departments basically assume there is no God, so how do we describe a human being? How do we describe moral laws? We can discover moral laws, but we're still not getting to the reason why they're there. We, we still don't have a reason why we're evolving if, that, if, we, if we are evolving. We're still, we still don't have a reason for why there's a universe at all where people evolve, where moral laws can evolve. Or if, there's no evidence that moral laws can evolve, as far as I know, theistically from... Um, from, from dead and sentient matter. There's probably little evidence that, that, that I've ever seen that, that consciousness can come from dead, sentient matter, for that matter. There seems to be some serious gaps in the theory. That's the debate. You're getting the, the majority opinion. That's why there's 22% of people thinking these moral laws are just there. But you see, that doesn't, that doesn't say why they're just there. We can, we can socially agree that we shouldn't kill each other, but there's, there's, that, that's not a moral law. That's a social law. 
There are certain moral obligations, though, that go beyond social laws and go beyond instincts and go beyond survival techniques that can't be explained otherwise as human beings creating them. We're not wise enough to create them to start with or wise enough to know them. These different perspectives about... Um, the first one is biological. It's just a biological instinct, and then he has arguments against that or, or that it's, uh, it's, it's, it's based on cultural... Uh, uh, cultural creations, or it's the atheists say it's just human reasons agreed that these things would be valid and these things won't. Humanism says it springs from human needs, and evolution talks about how morality evolved or emerged from, um, from insentient matter. That, that's quite a trick to, to prove that. This is not the religion and science class, but it's, um, there's some seriously complicated stuff when you start talking about evolutionary theory as fact in everything it says. I think everybody believes in little micro changes, but when you start talking about big gaps like macroevolution, uh, you know, dinosaurs turning into birds, it gets a little bit, a little bit more contentious. I know that goes against the grain, but I mean, the paradigm in this culture doesn't always make, uh, make historical sense in perspective. We know that in the history of science. It's just so, it's simple, and yet the simple part is, is simply to say, there seems to be no, no alternative that's at least as persuasive as, as, as a god behind it. We don't know enough about evolutionary theory to say um, that, that this thing just evolved from evolution. But evolution's blind. Evolution, um, ev ev evolution is random. Um, in another class, when we're looking at the naturalistic theory, just, just it. When you don't believe in a god and you become a naturalist, um, you really have trouble. Uh, some of you are in the 100. Most of you aren't, but th this is relevant to what you're asking. Like, from a naturalist point of view, there are three major problems that you and I haven't got time to discuss, but I just have time to say them. One is that, can you trust your own reason? And I, I, can, I can quote Darwin saying, if I'm just a monkey mind, how can, I trust, how can I trust my thoughts? If I've just evolved blindly through random chance variation, how do I know that my thoughts are valid? That's, that's a legitimate criticism of naturalism, that if there is no God to assure us that what we believe is valid, to give us a mind and, and there's something outside of this, this closed universe of naturalism, there's really no way we can trust our thinking. It's a famous argument. I mean, naturalists would probably disagree, but there's some pretty impressive arguments that we looked at in the other class for that. You also have to give up the belief in free will, despite what, what the naturalists say. Everything is simply determined by what's just happened a few minutes ago. Um, it, we're all just a, a cog in the machinery of physics and chemistry. Every thought, every action, every feeling is just all predetermined by whatever just happened. So we've got, we can't trust our own thoughts. Um, like we, we know so little about this universe if you start without God in the equation. That's, that's one way of doing this, justifying our beliefs. If we start with God, we can understand the moral law within. If we don't start with God, in this case, in a general way, I wish, I wish you had an exposure to this, but most of you haven't, but the criticism of naturalism that I think is valid after all the years I've looked at it, and that's, I know that's a logical fallacy of whatever, uh, of just appealing to authority or something, but it does make me wonder whether there's any grounding for thought there's any grounding for ethics, and there's any grounding for free will. 
I think all three of them are ruled out in it. If you don't believe in God, that's what you give up. You can't trust your own thoughts. You're like a tribe in New Guinea. You've never seen anything except the 15 people you've lived with in your tribe. You've never been more than 20 miles away from where you were born. You have no idea whether your thoughts about the world are valid or not. That's the analogy to a naturalistic world without God. We're a little closed box universe. There's nothing outside the box to tell us that that's right. You're right. Here's my, my special revelation to tell you that this is the truth that the world was created by a God, that it's going to... Without a God, you can't trust your own thoughts. It's a very long, complicated argument, but that's the bottom line. You can't trust the illusion of free will. Do you know that naturalists... If, if you want to see some of this because you're in the wrong class to study it, but it's called naturalism.org, one of my favorite websites. These are people who say, we have a worldview that has no God in it, and they say it. These are the experts. They, they actually tell you, we have no free will, so don't blame me and don't praise me. I have no free will. They don't say they can't trust their own thoughts because they're telling us all kinds of things that they believe. They also say that there is no good and there is no bad. There is no ethics because there is no God. Most atheists admit that. Most of them admit it, that there is no right and there is no wrong. There's just cultural agreement about this and that. It doesn't explain it. It's just a green light and a red light. It's nothing to do with a cultural ought, with a moral ought. So what I'm saying is, just one last time, we did this in the other class and you've been robbed by not doing that one because I think it's the foundation of all of this that we're talking about here. Without God, I think you're hard-pressed and naturalism.org even shows you that, like themselves talking. These are not critics. These are the people who believe this, that there isn't free will, that there isn't an ethical grounding, that it's just culturally made up. You can't trust your own thoughts. It's the, the, the only one they leave out. They're actually writing books now about... These people are, are, are philosophers of mind, and they're also psychologists who study the brain. And they're writing tons and tons of books, and you can see them all on naturalism.org, reviewed. And book after book after book is making an argument that there's no free will. How can you be ethical if you haven't even got the free choice between good and evil? They make an argument there. Book after book after book, these people saying, we, we don't want to tell everybody that because everybody's going to be upset. You know, we have to be very careful, but we have to move on. We experts on naturalism.org, we have to move on and start worrying about the consequences now of the fact that there's no free will. Maybe we have to empty the prisons. Maybe we have to let everybody out because it wasn't their fault. Everything we do is predetermined by physics and chemistry. This is your best plea in a law court. I didn't mean to kill those 15 people, but it was all determined by my... We, we do it now in this culture. Our culture basically, it's never my fault. Murderers and rapists almost get away. You know, I mean, they, they get more praise almost than, than the people they've murdered because it's not their fault. They were caught in this cultural cog and, 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 and they had a bad relationship with their father and their mother. We hear that all the time. It's starting to creep into the culture. The minute you give up belief in God, you're giving up belief in free will because it's a closed universe and, and technically you can't have free will in a closed universe. You can't trust your own thoughts and you certainly can't have an ethical basis. It's simply cultural, uh, a cultural creation. It has nothing to do with, with, with ethical law.
Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us for the next episode as the journey of justifying beliefs continues.